The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gildas Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at more than 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Well, we all know that cancer does not discriminate. It impacts all of us in every corner of the world. In fact, more than 14 million new cancer cases are diagnosed each year with more than 8.2 million cancer-related deaths, more than AIDS, tuberculosis, or malaria combined. About 70% of cancer deaths occur in low- and middle-income countries, such as Kenya, Cambodia, and Guatemala, just to name a few. And while the cancer experience can be vastly different from place to place, there's still a significant need to raise awareness of the global fight against cancer, increase education about cancer and prevention, and increase the number of support networks in place worldwide. Our guest today works every day to meet these needs and ensure that we are all one in the battle against cancer, one photo at a time. Our guest today is Carolyn Taylor. Carolyn is the founder and president of Global Focus on Cancer, a nonprofit organization based in New York. The mission of Global Focus on Cancer is to act as an agent of change to help reduce the global burden of cancer through awareness, advocacy, and support programs in countries where access to information about cancer is critically lacking. Carolyn serves as a content expert with the Women's Empowerment Cancer Advocacy Network, a co-chair, organizer, and speaker for multiple cancer symposiums in Southeast Asia, and is a member of ASCO's Gynecologic Cancer Guidelines Committee. In addition to her work with GFC, Carolyn is a professional photographer and cancer survivor who uses her talent and personal passion to share photographs that remind us that we are all one in the battle against cancer, regardless of race, religion, nationality, or economic status. Thank you so much for joining us today, Carolyn. Yeah, it's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, let's get started, Carolyn. Um, we've got a lot that we want to cover with you on the show today. Uh, Carolyn, you do so much to raise awareness, uh, to document the cancer experience and provide global support to people impacted by cancer. But let's start at the beginning of your journey. You're a cancer survivor. Can you tell us about your own experience with cancer? When were you diagnosed? What was that journey like? And tell us how you're doing today. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I was diagnosed with ovarian and endometrial cancers in 2006. Um, I was 43 at the time. I knew that I was high risk for developing cancer at some point in my life due to my family history. 
My mother had been diagnosed with breast cancer when she was 25. She just turned 88 in November. Um, Her, yeah, her mother had died from metastatic breast cancer, Mm -hmm. and her mother, my great grandmother, died from some type of female cancer. Um, So I knew genetically there was, even though I ended up testing. BRCA negative, uh, they do consider me BRCA identical. Um, you know, I was incredibly diligent because of my family history in terms of screening and um, actively going to the doctor every year, making mm. sure that I had all my routine tests, and, and um, that's how I was diagnosed at such an early stage. I was stage 1B for ovarian cancer and stage 1 for uterine. You know, I often say I had cancer for three weeks. Um, I'm pretty much one of the luckiest people out there, so what, um, yeah, so especially tell us the, about the, yeah, the yeah. statistics for ovarian are, you know, 70 yeah. to 80% are diagnosed at late stages. So, and 11 years later, I'm, I'm great. I'm perfectly healthy and well. And so what was your, so you, so the diet, you, you led to the diagnosis through your, your general diligence and, and, and surveillance around your health. And then what yeah, was my, your, yeah, mine and my yeah. OBGYN, she was always yeah. uh, really, really diligent about um, what sort of screening test she did with me from the time I turned, I think 37 or 38 on every visit she did a transvaginal ultrasound. Wow. That's Which great. Isn't so what was necessarily your a good screening tool? I'm sorry? What was your treatment when you were diagnosed? Surgery only. Surgery only. And what's your what's the surveillance program now? What what did they do to to uh, keep an eye on you? Um well, we just are concerned really about um my breasts at this point. I had a radical hysterectomy at that time. Um so now I'm really diligent. I have um a clinical breast exam at least two to three times a year by my OBGYN and a breast surgeon. Um, and as I get further and further out, my screenings are a little um, less intensive. At first it was um, breast MRIs followed by six months later by mammogram and ultrasound. Now um, we it's just once a year that I have a mammogram and ultrasound. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And supplement that so, with a clinical breast exam because that would be the one concern of something that could come back. But the the more years that passes, the less likelihood of that happening is what I'm mm-hmm. told by my physicians. Mm-hmm. So, Carolyn, tell us how did your cancer experience and inspire you? You know, to do all the things that you do. What lessons did you take away from from that experience, and and how have you you know sort of used that to guide these uh, the, you know these activities and and uh, and your work really. Yeah, um, I think because I was diagnosed at such an early stage, um, and I knew how lucky I was, um, I really felt compelled to do something to help other people who weren't perhaps as lucky as I had been, but I had no idea what I could do. Um, I've worked as a food and product photographer really for the past 30 years. But for that first year after my diagnosis, um, I was required to see my gynecologic oncologist, Dr. Peter Dettino, every two months just to make sure everything was okay. Um, He and his wife, Dr. Amory Bedeau, volunteer their time and services around the world, and he would tell me about um, the incredibly difficult conditions that he would um, see out there with women having the same kind of cancer that I had and just not having any services. And, um, you know, I would got me really thinking about there must be some way that I could use my photography skills to help. Um, we can delve into that a little bit more later, yeah. but, um, you know, going back, you were asking me also about, like, what I 
try to impart in others. And I, I draw my own experience and my story and my mother's, emphasizing that being in charge of your health and being very proactive about screenings and uh, treatment can lead to early diagnosis, a very good outcome, and also can be a cost saving. Um, you know, sometimes cancer treatments can be so expensive, especially at later stages and where you are. Um, but if it, and in the countries I work in, that's a big deal as well without access to service. Um, you know, it can be a cost-effective savings for you to really be diligent about your health care and proactive as well. So I try to share those stories with people and that experience to try to help others as well. So why don't you tell us uh, and our listeners a little bit about your organization, Global Focus on Cancer, and, and, and really how you how and when you founded that organization and, and uh, really a little bit more about the impetus for that. Yeah, so GFC I founded um, in 2011, late 2011. Um, as I said before, it was I really felt compelled to do something to help others, but I wasn't really sure what I could do as a food photographer. Um, I ended up in 2000, late 2009 receiving a random email from British Airways, and it was a, co- a contest offering 10 free flights anywhere in the world. These were business class flights, which have ruined me for the rest of my life as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the contest was based on a series of three essays, and you would talk about what you would use those flights for, and it all sort of came together in my mind, and in these essays, I spoke from my heart about how I wanted to use photography to document that the battle against cancer was universal, that regardless of race, religion, nationality, or economic status, we are all one in the battle against cancer. So um, I was thrilled when I found out that I won these flights um, and terrified at the same time, (laughs) because how do you go about doing this? But um, between March 2010 and March 2011, I traveled to 14 different countries interviewing and photographing cancer patients, survivors, caregivers, and medical professionals in an attempt to really give a global face to cancer. And through this project, I saw the overall lack of awareness about cancer, little to non-existent support programs in place in so much of the world. And that's why I created Global Focus on Cancer in an effort to kind of address those missing needs that I saw. So, so Carolyn, tell us first, what are, what are some of the comp- countries that you traveled to during that year of, of really learning and during studying? During that year, yeah. So the first um, place I went to was actually Switzerland, which might sound a little odd, but I was having a, a difficult time accessing global cancer centers on my own. I reached mm-hmm. out to a World Health Organization, but they only had three people working full-time in cancer which mm-hmm. they don't have many more than that today. Um, so they wow. connected me to the Union for International Cancer Control in Geneva, which is um, the largest cancer-related NGO. It's a membership-based nonprofit organization in Geneva. Um, and they were great. They really helped connect me with their member organizations around the world. And that combined with British Air, where British Airways flew is kind of how mm-hmm. I determined where those 12 months would take me. So um, Switzerland was my first trip. Then I went to India, Nepal, and Bahrain. A few months later, I went to... Um, where did I go next? <laughs> um, <laughs> Israel, the West Bank, Jordan, Egypt... I went to South Africa, Kenya, Tanzania, um, Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, Hong Kong, um, and then back to Italy 
and Switzerland. So that's wow. where that year took me. Yeah, I was able to see an incredible, incredible diversity in cancer care in those regions. Uh- yeah, Carolyn, we've got a minute until our first break here, but mm-hmm. are there just a couple common themes that you saw as you traveled from place to place? Yeah, um, so uh, common themes, it's very difficult for people in most of the areas that I traveled to and worked in were mm-hmm. low-resource countries. So things that are really lacking their access to physicians, access to treatment and screening services, access to information about cancer, um, really, really difficult for people to access. Yeah. So we're going to have lots of time to to dive in on this a little bit more. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Uh, We are talking today with Carolyn Taylor uh, about her organization, Global Focus on Cancer, and her work in understanding the global impact of cancer. We have got a lot to cover today with Carolyn. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you a breakaway from cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code Magnolia B or visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo. Today's show is sponsored in part by Bristol-Myers Squibb, NovoCure, and Taiho Oncology. We're talking with Carolyn Taylor, founder and president of Global Focus on Cancer and Worldwide Photographer. So let's talk about that, uh, Carolyn. You're a worldwide photographer. Talk talk to us about your you know career in photography and really what led you to photograph the cancer experience. 
Yeah. Um, so I have been a commercial photographer specializing in food and product for the past 30 years. Um, it, then it was my own personal experience with cancer that led me to want to transition more into that sphere and trying to use my photography to show how we're all connected um, through this journey and battle through with cancer. Um, I really wanted to broaden my work to include more around social cause. So um, I've been incorporating more in the past few years. I use a lot of my photography to help um, Global Focus on Cancer with our programs and our awareness. And um, But also I did two programs this year where I was really excited about working. Um, one was highlighting pregnant women in rural, remote, and urban areas in East Africa for a Merck for Mothers program. And I also did a really interesting project on metastatic breast cancer this year. So this was this project took me to 12 countries, interviewing 32 women, all with metastatic disease. The result of that project is a video and a book, and the video premiered this year at the World Cancer Congress last November and led a panel discussion on quality of life surrounding um, metastatic breast cancer patients. Linda House, actually, of Cancer Support Community was on the panel with me for that mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, once again, this was a way to show that regardless of race, religion, nationality, or economic status, everyone is in the same battle together. And I think that's what photography can do. It can kind of pull that all together and show the similarities regardless of um, where we live or how much money we have. Everyone is battling cancer in the same way and has the same feelings and the same hopes and dreams and, um, and fears, you know, and I try yeah. to use my photography to show that. So, Carolyn, take us, take us uh, down the path. Take us, take us on a shoot with you right now. You're, you're going to a country where maybe you're going to a, a poorer area. You're uh-huh. talking to these folks. There may be cultural barriers. There may be language barriers. Yeah. What, do you, what do you hope to capture? You know, how do, how do you warm folks up? How do you get them to talk? What do you hope to capture when you're, when you're on a shoot and, and sort of bring that back to your audience? Right. I think it really depends on, on what we want to show and what the outcome is and who I'm working with on this. So, um, you know, I've done, I've done jobs where it's been, we really want to show how difficult it is in hospitals. So in some of these low resource settings, so in Vietnam, um, two and three patients will share a single bed. Mm. And then there'll be more patients on the floor under the bed, Mm. you know. So you want to show those conditions. You want to show the difficulties. But you also want to show the spirit of these patients. And you also don't want to say, show it in such a negative way that you think it's unhelpful. There are some amazing doctors in Vietnam that help and amazing you know, amazing um, clinicians that are there. They're making great strides. So it's it's a fine line between showing positive aspects and also, you know, really showing the realities as well. So tell, tell us, uh, you talked about some of the places that you've been to um, for that sort of first year of that project, and it's a, just yeah. a great story about the about the uh, about the award that you got. And um, but t- tell us again a couple of the places you've been to for photography. You know, talk to you talked a little bit about Vietnam. Tell us a couple of other stories about some of those experiences, really what you've seen and and really feel like you've captured. Um, well, I think mostly um, I've photographed 
during that first year. Um, so in places like Tanzania, um, I spent quite a lot of time. There's a very large albino population in eastern Africa, in Tanzania in particular. They suffer really strongly from um, sun, can- skin cancer from the sun. They live under the you know, equatorial sun. Sunscreen isn't available for these people. So we really, tr- I really tried to show what that was like for um, for these patients, these albino patients suffering from skin cancer, the difficulties involved for them um, working in fields. They don't even have hats necessarily or like maybe mm-hmm. a baseball hat. So really trying to show what those kind of conditions are like. And, you know, it's a simple fix, sunscreen or a hat, but that's not available for these people. Um, other things in, say, um, South Africa, a lot of people don't really want to talk about cancer either. A lot of countries people don't want to talk about. There's a huge stigma and myth associated with So trying to get people to open up and to talk about it is also an issue, and trying to get them to participate can be a problem. So you really have to, I usually try to use my story to kind of coerce them into participating often as well because there's such a stigma um, that cancer carries in so much of the world that people are, are reticent to sometimes talk about it and, and to acknowledge or have their photo taken. So that can take some, really some um, finagling to get people to participate at times. And so, you know, I know sometimes, uh, you know, you hear with journalists, photographers, you know, you're there you're there to document a situation. You're not there to necessarily change a situation or I- intervene. But was it the experience of sort of documenting these folks? Is that part of what led to your founding Global Focus on Cancer because you just felt compelled to do something? Yeah, I mean, I, re- I really did feel compelled to do something. And I was like, I can do more than just take pictures about this. Well, I was out there that first year and interviewing and photographing people, um, I was able to start making connections with people right away. So I'd be in one country saying, oh, well, you do know, even within a country, sometimes I would meet people that could be connected but weren't connected. And I was coming in as this outsider, and I was able to start making these connections pretty quickly and starting to help people. And I thought, okay, I can, I can definitely do more than just take pictures of this. I can, I'm a good networker. I can start networking, and we'll figure it out from there while I educate myself about what it, the cancer conditions are and globally and what we can do to help. Carolyn, you talked a little bit about some of the stigmas in different mm-hmm. countries and, and different yeah. cultures. Can you, can you elaborate on that uh, mm-hmm. a, little, a little bit? I know, for example, I know it's sometimes in the, um, in, in the Muslim world, there's a feeling that perhaps, you know, getting cancer is um, maybe a punishment for something that you've done bad in your life and, you know, yeah. something that we've heard, you know, things like that. Yeah, that, uh, that's not just um, a Muslim thing. It's definitely in many, many countries it's that way. The Buddhists and um, um, Hindus, a lot of people feel that way, too. Um, it's also, you know, that you're a bad person. You did something bad to get this. You, um, you deserve it. It's also, you know, you don't want to tell people about it. People really will shun people. They, um, there's also a stigma around finances with it because most people have to self-finance their cancer treatment. So families kind of run away from you. I mean, people are um, kind of, are often abandoned. Women are often abandoned. Um, because there's the stigma that, oh, well, she's got cancer now. She's going to, she's broken. Mm-hmm. 
or she's going to die, or she's going to take all my money, you know, to have to heal her, try to heal her. And it's very, very difficult to see. Really, really um, painful to see people going through that kind of treatment and not having support around them, which is, is so difficult, you know, not having family support necessarily. Right. And because, that I has mean, a lot of a little bit about. Yeah, you talked a little bit about some of the, you know, really significant gaps in care, perhaps lack of care, lack yeah. of treatment. So in some ways, maybe maybe the, the support piece could, could, could in some ways be the gold standard of care, right? Maybe the only thing that folks it, might it, get it in remote or poorer areas, yeah. The thing that we do, so with the support groups that we've started in Vietnam specifically, they are more geared to bridging the knowledge gap between patients and clinicians, which is enormous. Patients come in, they know nothing about cancer. They, you know, they don't have a clue. And they, the doctors are overwhelmed with the number of patients generally that are in front of them. So the support groups that we've started there kind of try to, they are meet monthly and they are informational where um, clinicians are giving information to patients and family members. In these hospital settings in most low um, and middle-income countries, patients have to bring caregivers with them to feed them, to take care of them, to help them. The hospitals don't have the staff or, or means to provide that, you know, bring meals for them and everything. So they are educated through this as well. So it's kind of like an... Um, support group, but also a bit of awareness that starts to happen. Um, unfortunately, there's not a great deal of support mechanisms in place. So not a lot of social workers, not a lot of psychologists or psychiatrists available for this. And we're, we're working on some programs now where we're looking um, to educate cancer survivors as more peer um, kind of support givers, you know, so they can go in and sort of analyze the distress, the level of distress screening and see if there's a way that they can lower the distress through having already been through this situation, being able to give them information and advice and help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Carolyn, we've got a quick minute until our uh, our break here, but I know one of the things you say in, in, in some of your literature is that you're really trying to capture the global face of cancer. You know, have you done that? Again, just tell us, uh, you know, just remind folks, you know, what are, what are the common themes that you've seen in these many different countries, different cultures, different religions? What are, what are a couple of those themes? Yeah, I think um, the main thing that I really see is that people really have a tremendous lack of awareness about what cancer is, who gets it, what do you do? People go end up going really late. You know, 70 to 80% of patients are coming in diagnosed at stage 3 or 4. And out of them, 20, um, 80% will die within two years of being diagnosed. This is mm-hmm. incredibly common. Um, and you see these misconceptions and these myths. You see doctors the capacity being so strained, there might be a country, so a country like Malawi, right? Um, I was there earlier this year. There's two oncologists in the entire country. Oh. No radiation yeah. available at all. No yeah. support. You know, there's there's yeah. nothing. You can't, we can't even do awareness programs there because right. there's no... You don't even have the network to, to reach that. Yeah. yeah. Carolyn, we're going to take a quick, we're going to just take yep. our quick break here. We've got a lot more to cover with Carolyn. Uh, this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Don't go away. We'll be right back. 
Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the AZI Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Cancer, it's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices... I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. We're back with Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo. Today's show is sponsored in part by Celgene Corporation, EMD Serono, and the Takeda Oncology Company. On this episode, we are discussing the global impact of cancer from someone with firsthand experience. Guest Carolyn Taylor, founder and president of the nonprofit organization Global Focus on Cancer. Carolyn, in our last segment, we had a chance to really talk about the amazing work that you do through your photography. Um, but I really want our listeners to get a better sense uh, of your organization, Global Focus on cancer. And, and um, uh, for those who are just joining us again, maybe just talk a little bit about your motivation to found Global Focus on Cancer and tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing there. Yeah, so um, I founded Global Focus on Cancer in 2011. Um, 
and it means to address the lack of awareness and support that I saw for cancer patients, mostly in low and middle income countries, low resource um, situations. Um, so our work today, we've been working, um, we're a 100% volunteer organization still at this time. We have a wonderful advisory board of really wonderful physicians and clinicians um, and advocates oh, that are from around the world that have been doing this work um, and really support us and, and give us a, have given us a lot of guidance and information and help with the work that we do. Um, so right now we've been doing all our pilot programs have been in Vietnam where we started. There was only one cancer support group in the country when we started working there. Since then we've created seven more. Again, like I said, these are really groups that are trying to bridge the knowledge gap between patient and clinician, empowering patients and their families with more information. Um, and also, we're going, I'm going back there in April to start two more new groups. Um, we're also working on a set of resource-stratified guidelines for cancer support groups based on different countries, different areas. So where there aren't always trained psychologists or social workers available in low-resource settings, we're looking for alternatives such as peer-to-peer training programs. And um, we'll be delivering that first training this July in Hanoi and Hue with the group of breast cancer survivors. And actually, Mitch Golant from Cancer Support Community is helping us with this program as well. Um, Let's see, we really try to help them navigate this, the hoping that the, the peer-to-peer support will help um, patients to navigate better through their treatment and also help family members. We've also um, collaborated with our partners in Vietnam um, and the Women's Empowerment Cancer Advocacy Network out of University of Washington, the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Center, where we held a first-ever cancer support group summit in Vietnam for Southeast Asia. This was the first of its kind event for the region, and it included experience sharing, coalition, and capacity building. We had over 170 participants representing nine countries in the region for this two-day event. We followed it up this June with a three-day Southeast Asia breast cancer symposium in Hue, Vietnam, where we had more than 200 clinicians, advocates, and policymakers from 11 countries that came together. We're co-hosting this event in 2017 in Myanmar. We're also at these events um, doing trainings for breast cancer advocates as well. So that, and we also have a basic cancer awareness program that we've developed for factory workers that we're hoping to launch later this year. So that's kind of like the basis of what we do. And how are you funded, Carolyn? So we are... We run everything on a shoestring, basically. Um, So um, quite a bit of pharmaceutical funding and then individual donations. But um, because we're all volunteer, we work at the studio. My photo studio is the home base for GFC also. So we're able to run all of our programs on under $50,000 a year, if you can believe Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing. And and Carolyn, what, what are you doing to ensure that these programs are, are lasting and are enduring and yeah. are sustainable in these countries. I think it's critical. I know sometimes, you know, we can sort of swoop in and do a great program and claim success, mm-hmm. and then maybe the resources aren't there on the ground to continue or sustain the, the kind of programming we're talking about. Right. So 
um, we work very closely with the country-specific resources that are available. We'll only assist in creating programs that are sustainable within the country and where the country is willing to take it on. You know, my mantra with this whole thing is, are my good intentions the best intentions? So I feel that that's really critical, especially working in other countries and cultures, to make sure that the work you're doing is in line with the country's needs and what they can replicate and maintain. You know, what works in the U.S. might not work well in another cultural environment. So it's essential to really critically evaluate the programs, make sure they work within the cultural context, and making ownership of the program um, putting that onus right onto the country themselves. So that way that you can make lasting programs. And that's, we only work with partners that are capable of, of doing that. And do you incorporate your photography into the work at, at uh, Global Focus on Cancer? Yes, of course. I always have a camera with me and I'm always doing that. It's, it's, you know, people want to see images. It's, um, it's, that's actually a really difficult thing for a lot of NGOs, I think, and nonprofit organizations is to have quality um, photography and assets. It's very difficult for that to come by. So we're, we're lucky that I'm able to do that as an insider. And I actually, I donate my services quite often to help other nonprofit organizations with that, my photography services. That's fantastic. So, so when you set up the the organization, what was what was sort of the big vision in your mind of doing this? You talk about capturing the global face of cancer, but what does that really mean? Yeah, I don't know what it means. <laughs> um, you know, it sounds great though. I love it. <laughs> it was this. Well, really, it was this great idea. You know, okay, I'm going to show the global face of cancer, but the the global face of cancer is it's. I mean, it's everyone's face. It's the same thing. It's, cancer is so difficult no matter where you are. You know, you could be in, for me, I mean, it was in, I had the best case scenario and I was like, this is unbelievably difficult, you know, and I really had it super easy. Um, but you, you see, it's trying to show what this is. You can't. You can't. I mean, I wish I had, I wish, sometimes I wish I had been, couldn't have seen as much as I have seen. You know what I mean? Like I could take back some of the things I've seen um, because they're really painful and difficult to have seen those things. Um, so I think it's, it's kind of impossible to give a global face to cancer. I think it's, all, it's so resource dependent on where people are, on what it is. You know, it's it's a nice thought that I could do that, but um, a lot of what I try to do with it to really make it more cohesive is just do beautiful portraits of people and show how they're similar and the same and how so pe- more people can kind of relate to each other mm-hmm. instead of showing the real difficulties and focusing on the disparities and, and the difficult things. It's trying to show how people are maybe more alike than they're different. So in many ways, the global face of cancer is one face at a time. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. What? Um, so, Carolyn, you know, we love stories. On frankly speaking, so mm-hmm. tell us that before we get to our uh, our our, uh, our next break here, t- tell us another story about uh, you know yeah. a, a situation that particularly stuck with you, captured your attention. Again, whether it was yeah. d- difficult to see or whether it was a victory or what you know whatever it might be. Tell us, tell us uh-huh. about that. So. Um, I was in Kenya in February of um, 2011, still working on the British Airways project, and um, I met a woman, Rosemary Okio, 
And when she was first diagnosed with breast cancer, she considered it a death sentence and refused all treatment. Her sister-in-law convinced her ultimately to go to the doctor, have a mastectomy, and begin treatment. So when I met her at my hotel in Nairobi, she had just come from having her blood drawn before starting her third round of chemo. She wasn't sure if she was going to continue her treatment, though. I told her my story, my mother's story, and she couldn't believe it because I was the very first cancer survivor she had ever met. Everyone Mm. she had ever known who had had cancer had died. She also didn't know there were such things as breast prosthesis or mastectomy bras, and I had brought some with me to donate, 50 of them actually to donate, which of course was the one bag they wanted to pull out in customs, and my husband have had that bag. Um, So I took (laughs) this woman up to my hotel room and fitted her with a prosthesis and a bra. And, you know, here she was, this Rosemary, 20 minutes before, was really despondent and, and ready to give up and die. And now she was dancing and laughing in my hotel room with this renewed spirit and will to fight to survive. And I, I'm not sure which one of us was happier that day, and it doesn't really matter, but it's experiences like this that keep me motivated and push me to work harder every day to try to make a difference. Do you think, Carolyn, on a global scale... There's a recognition of, I, I know there are, there are a lot of sort of victories to be claimed in eliminating some illnesses in the developing uh-huh. world, and but I think that one of the um, uh, consequences of that that we haven't really addressed as a global healthcare community is that the, that the greatest risk factor for cancer is age. So the longer people uh-huh. live, yeah, the more I- cancers we're going to see, and I don't know that the, that the global health community has really thought about the impact of, of, of addressing and curing some of these other diseases. Yeah, now, um, right, the non-communicable diseases are compounded as, as people age, um, you know, and cancer. And then there's simple, the simple things um, like HPV mm-hmm. vaccination that could be done that isn't being done, things like that on more of a global level. Um I think, yeah, aging, so people keep saying, oh, more and more people have cancer all the time, but right, I think it's, it's partially that people are just growing older, and right. they would have gotten cancer anyway, like, you're, you know, to your point, um, yeah. it's just that now we see it. Yeah. And it's also, there's a lot of environmental factors that are changing. People's lifestyles are changing. Um, right. They're going off, you know, as people move from less of an agrarian society to more of an industrial society, particularly mm-hmm. I see it in Southeast Asia, they change their diet significantly and their exercise level. Right. So, so there's so, um, I think, so many factors that are really, you know, kind of weighing yeah. into this. And I know and that the, the data shows level, that we're, yeah. yep, we're certainly going to be seeing more and more cancers um, on a global basis. This is frankly mm-hmm. speaking about cancer. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go back. We've got a lot more to discuss with Carolyn Taylor, photographer and founder and president of Global Focus on Cancer. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, 
a free shared online calendar to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code Magnolia B or visit us at CancerSupportCommunity.org. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community a global network of education and hope. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. We're back with Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tebaldo, and today's show has been sponsored in part by Lilly Oncology and Insight Corporation. We're closing out our show on the global impact of cancer with our guest, Carolyn Taylor, worldwide photographer and founder and president of the nonprofit organization Global Focus on Cancer. Uh, Carolyn, our organizations, the Cancer Support Community and Global Focus on Cancer, are both dedicated to ensuring that all people impacted by cancer have uh, have support. Uh, talk a little bit more about how social and emotional support really has varied in some of the places that you've seen and whether that be support through kind of the formal networks of, of hospitals or the healthcare community or really support in the family and in the community. Yeah, I think most of the support for patients that we work with um, in lower resource settings have to come through their own family uh, and mem- members. There's just not anything available for them on a you know, from from trained professionals, it's incredibly difficult. Um, there's so few physicians and and clinicians working um, in cancer um, because it's very underfunded in these countries. And and you know, um, AIDS, HIV, and malaria get much more funding than cancer does. Uh, most countries don't even have cancer registries, so um, it's very difficult to get people to create psychosocial support for these patients. So we have to look to what's existing that we could use. So in some countries, there's also, they have um, genetic counselors for children that maybe have born with genetic 
abnormalities. So we look, they've had some sort of training. So we look to maybe we can utilize them as, um, you know, for cancer support. Um, you really have to search around and see what's available, what's missing, um, what you can utilize. And like I was saying, we try to create, um, really trying to create a resource stratified guideline outline for um, that we can implement in different countries based on um, the resources that they have at hand. Are there, um, Carolyn, have there been moments where you have been sort of uh, turned away, either A, people don't want to be photographed, or B, people are saying, look, what you're doing or trying to bring does not fit in with the cultures or customs of our country? Um, Yeah, sometimes it can be difficult. Um, People need to understand your motivation. Often, I think, when a Westerner comes in to, so I work in Southeast Asia a lot and a bit in East Africa, um, a Westerner comes in and they feel like, they want to, you want to profit off of their image. You have mm-hmm. to really explain to people just what your motivation is and why you're there um, and that you're really trying to help them. And so working through and within the community there to really get that point across. But yeah, if someone doesn't, really doesn't want their photograph taken, I absolutely, um, you know, I'm very careful about doing that. Sometimes the doctors will tell me, no, just take it, it's fine. And I say, no, yeah. no, no. No, yeah. that's, you know, that's not acceptable. Right, 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 right. You know, Carolyn, we at the Cancer Support Community have been very involved with the Cancer Moonshot Initiative at the mm-hmm. White House and with Vice President Biden. And, you know, the idea there is right. to see 10 years of progress in five years. Do you do you think that the progress that's being made in the U.S., um, progress towards a cure, process towards, uh, you know, progress towards better treatments, et cetera, do, do you think that that, that could have an impact on your your mission and the global work in cancer? I mean, I think it always does. I think there's always a, sort of a trickle down that happens from what happens in the U.S. and and um, maybe from in Western Europe to these countries a bit. Um, but they can't, you know, with these major technologies that come in and how everything we're going more and more towards targeted therapy. I mean, they they can't sustain that at all. So um, it's something I haven't even been thinking about the moonshot for any any of the countries mm-hmm. that we work in. Um, I don't see, I think it's kind of out of the scope and range of, of the mm-hmm. our work. I just hope that some of the benefits of the moonshot will really trickle down and help in those areas as well. And how about an awareness of, 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 of family genetics, like your situation, so many women in the family oh. with cancer? Is there a growing awareness of, of uh, the relevance of that? I mean, I definitely see that people are becoming more... I've seen a shift in the last six years, actually. Um, I hadn't really done big interviews with patients um, for about six years, and I did it again this year. And I was really surprised um, that women were coming in and saying, wait, no, no, I knew that if I came in early, this was in Mm -hmm. Vietnam, then I had a much better chance of living. So I came right away when I felt a lump. Six years before, people just said, well, I waited and waited and waited. I mean, and in Africa, it's still quite difficult. Still, you know, we talk about, is the cancer inside or is it outside already? Mm -hmm. Sometimes people wait so long, it's already outside of their body. Right. Um, So, yeah, I think there's... There's progress being made towards a shift towards people being aware of 
family genetics, of lifestyle issues, and being aware, more aware of the availability of of a cure, actually, and 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 mm. a good outcome from um, early intervention. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Carolyn, as we get towards the end of our show here, um, what can our listeners at home do to help you in your effort to raise the global awareness of cancer? How can folks find out about Global Focus on Cancer? And, you know, a picture paints a thousand words, right? Where can folks see your (laughs) photographs and really learn more about the work? Yeah, so um, my photo website's actually in the process of being redone right now, so it should be done within the next month or um, and more updated with more of the recent work, the social good work that I've been doing. Um, that address is www.carolyntaylorphotography.com. Global mm-hmm. Focus on Cancer is www.globalfocusoncancer.org. There's lots of photos there. Also a link to the metastatic breast cancer video that we just did, um, along with there's a very simple, safe online donation mechanism available. But we're always, you know, if people that have experience in the field, people that are um, interested. We're happy to have volunteers. We love to have people, um, you know, help us in any capacity. Um, We're in New York, and knowing that we are a 100% volunteer organization, any donation goes directly towards funding the programs that um, that service um, cancer patients. And you said all of the funds are... Really private donations from individuals, corporations, Private donations, and then for the larger, um, so for like the Southeast Asia Breast Cancer Symposium that we've done in the uh, Cancer Support Group Summit, we have um, some pharma funding for that as well, pharmaceutical funding. Mm -hmm. Great. So, Carolyn, I want to thank you so much for joining us uh, on the show today. It's my pleasure. Your work is really inspiring, and we're certainly happy that you've shared it with us today. And again, for our listeners, if you want to check out the website, it's globalfocusoncancer.org. If you want to see the great work that Carolyn is doing, see some of her photography, we would encourage our listeners to check that out. I also want to remind uh, our listeners about the work that we're doing here at the Cancer Support Community. Uh, We provide support, education, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction, free of charge for people with all cancers at all stage of disease. We have 47 centers around the country where we are providing that service, um, again, to people with all cancers and to their loved ones. We've got programs for children who have a loved one with cancer in the family. Um, I want to encourage folks to visit our website. It's cancersupportcommunity.org, www.cancersupportcommunity.org. You can find a list of our affiliates. You can find a lot of great educational information. You can uh, join our online community to connect with others who are also dealing with a cancer diagnosis. You can also call our helpline if you want to talk to one of our counselors at 888-793-9355. Again, if you're grabbing a pen, that number is 888-793-9355. 9355. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim T. Baldo. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim T. Baldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.